Welcome to From Tourist to Local, the podcast where I help you navigate your new life abroad and all the lifestyle changes that come with moving to a new country, leaving behind all the hassle and overwhelm. And who am I? I am your host, Mafe Salazar, a once tourist that became a local in Vancouver, Canada. So join me as I navigate the journey of going from tourist to local while having real and unfiltered conversations. Today, I have Joshua Best. He is the host of Why We Travel podcast, and he's also a life coach and certified mobility specialist. He is a true geek for migration, and Joshua helps other people combine work and travel into their lifestyle so they can live freely and thrive as their best selves while living their best life. On today's episode, I talk to Josh about what makes him a true migration geek, what does that even mean? Um, he tells us a little bit about his story, how his parents like moved from Panama to the U.S. And how was that growing up for him? Um, we also chat about how he discovered his love for travel and when was the first time he did a solo trip and all that juicy stuff. And also we talk about his podcast, Why We Travel, how it was born and basically what he talks about. And if you want to check it out, I was also on his podcast, so I will leave a link to that episode uh, in the show notes below. But yeah, without further ado, here it is, Joshua Bess from Why We Travel. How are you doing today? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me. How are you? I am doing great. And I am really excited about our conversation because um, we actually connected through um, Chelsea Rife. She's been on the podcast before, and she's mm. been on the podcast this season. So um, the reason why I got um, drawn to like your page and everything was because you talk about traveling so much. And that's like obviously something that I really love doing as well. Just traveling around the world. I mean, who doesn't? Of course. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> um, but one of the things that really like caught my attention is that you call yourself a true geek for migration. And you even have a podcast episode um, that's called Why We Migrate. So Tell us a little bit about, about your story and what makes you so passionate about um, people like immigrating uh, places and just moving around everywhere. Yeah, uh, yeah, that's actually an excellent question, a, a loaded question. It's like one of those where I could talk forever, but uh, try to be concise. So I think it both it's like. I would probably say two key points. It stems from when I was younger, uh, uh, so uh, which I think we'll talk about later. But I was raised by two immigrants. My parents come from Panama, and if you know anything about Panamanian history, they actually had a large migration when the canal was being built. So w my family had a few generations in Panama, but then prior to that, uh, they're like descents from the Jamaica and Barbados, right? And so, like, I mm -hmm. think I always just kind of identified with this concept, or just you know, I say it's in my blood. Um, but then like more unconsciously. So, you know, uh, in my career undergrad, I did uh, anthropology. And then for in grad school, I'm studying international relations. Um, by this point, I worked in international development. So I'm having a, a bunch of like international orientations. But then in addition to that, um, I was a recruiter. Uh, and then I also when I worked at uh, Northeastern University, I was working in a department that helped um, build partnerships for companies overseas. Uh, with the, the university so people could work abroad. And I even worked in like anti-human trafficking as well. So, wow. you know, I'm at this point in my career where I'm like, um, all right, what do I want to do next? I'm thinking about it. And then at the time I was in this class called Immigration and Labor. 
Uh, and it, it was just kind of like a lightning in a bottle moment where I was like, that is like the common thread of everything I've done and doing descendant mm-hmm. from what I like studying, <laughs> you know, just like anything revolving like the movement of people, especially when it comes to work and bettering themselves and how it impacts the world. Uh, so I was like, yeah, that's it. It's like uh, any, anything like migration related uh, is really what I'm about. Oh, that's amazing. And then you mentioned, so like, obviously, on top of that, you mentioned that your parents are originally from Panama. Mm-hmm. So how was that for you growing up? Like, how did you do with like the languages and the costumes? And, and yeah, just like, how was the whole dynamic you compared to like other people, your, your age with like, parents that were like born and raised in the US? Yeah, that's a good one. So it's, um, very multifaceted, right? Because we have the obvious just being first generation and like the cultural influences. But I also can't help to... Uh, that is also like where you grow up. So for example, I mm-hmm. was born in Flatbush, Brooklyn. Um, if you know anything about Flatbush, Brooklyn, it's like a Caribbean enclave. So if I said I was like Panamanian there, they'd be like, oh yeah, my friend is Panamanian. They'd probably be Panamanian. Everyone knows about it. But even though I was born there, I grew up in Howard County, Maryland. <laughs> so it's like... <laughs> <laughs> like yeah, you know it's, it's like quintessential white suburbia you know what i mean like yeah a little diverse <laughs> and so i'd say like they'd be like oh you know I, I remember i'd be like eight years old in third grade we'd have to make a panorama and i'd make one about the canal right because like, oh my people were like yeah. what's that oh i'm panamanian panel what like you know just like it, it felt crazy to a lot of people and so i felt very both out of place in a lot of regards but also like very proud of you know my culture our upbringing like panama though yeah. you know my parents being from there and then you seeing them connect and uh you you bring up a good point about the language so yeah that that one's in Spanish at all yeah i see my mom so, so like it's like <laughs> uh, yeah I actually get, so let me see so my thought uh quick history so it's like i said they had all this immigrants all the so you, you know so not just like west indians but then uh, French, Indian, etc. Um, so yeah. at one point in time, so like my my father, he's actually 11 years older than my mother. So mm-hmm. he his Panama is like a very multilingual society. That's how he remembers it. So if you actually ask him, he's 100% fluent in Spanish, but he did, he like doesn't appreciate it so much. Like yeah, you know, he just takes it for granted because he's been speaking Spanish his <laughs> whole life. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So it's like, uh, and then my mother. <laughs> By the time she was right, like, so I think a better example would be like uh, my mother's aunts and uncles, like that generation. So like, I know my, I remember I was talking to my great uncle's girlfriend. She's the youngest of three. Uh, mm-hmm. I met the oldest one. Oldest one speaks, knows English, but doesn't like talking English, like just Spanish. The middle one switches up mid conversation. But then her, <laughs> she's like pure Spanish, doesn't really like talking English. Cause like, you could just kind of see over the years how it's changed. Right. That's so like, funny. And so my mother was, she would actually say it was her first language, but she left Panama when she was like six years old. So mm-hmm. she's not comfortable. She's very shy when it comes with it. Cause she's like, you know, nonetheless, how that impacted me growing up was they made sure we could speak it. Like, you know, yeah. like I remember her sitting me down, practicing, like rolling my tongue and everything, but it wasn't <laughs> like part of daily conversation. And then yeah. also sometimes I like, you know, how the original name like was Spanglish because that was part of the identity, like this Caribbean English and Spanish. So like, I remember being a child, they'd smack your hand. They'd be like, they hello for your bucket. Like, you know, so you're yeah, like, yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. So I, I know to speak it, uh, well, like on a basic level, I'll probably say like, I kind of describe myself like elementary. I speak like a child. I could 
say mm-hmm. whatever I need to say, you'll get what I'm trying you to say. You can survive. Yeah, you can survive. Yeah, but I'm definitely, uh, I, I quickly feel American when, 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 you know, trying to speak it in a conversation, you know? <laughs> oh my God. That's so hilarious. Cause like, yeah, I feel like that what you mentioned is like very, very interesting because like the people I take for granted my Spanish, cause I grew up, um, yeah like speaking it but that's like just like so so interesting yeah you, you guys annoy me because it's like the childhood trauma i have i'm like you know i call him abba i'll be like my father i'll be like abba why didn't you see him so he's like it's just spanish like you know like you know he, he like to him he's just yeah it's just a language like you know um but yeah. Yeah, yeah 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 that's so funny um and then so now we're talking about like obviously your parents like move or i guess like your mom like her parents like moved to Mm-hmm. to the u.s um so and then like on the intake form you said that you are happily homeless right, right. now even though you're living in maryland right now that's correct? correct yep so what does that mean to you like being happily homeless yeah yeah like um i'm not even sure how i came across that expression or uh, you know i feel like someone was just i think you know people ask where are you all and like yeah i'm like yeah i'm homeless but then I don't want it to, so I was like, yeah, I just started saying happily homeless, but um, yeah. let me see. So 2018, so basically my original intent when I went to grad school, because I, like I, I was working in international development, I was in Australia and I was like, all right, I'm going to go back to the States, do grad school, and then I'll just help progress my career in this industry. But then when mm-hmm. I was in grad school, I was like, no, I don't want to do that. You know, I, I realized I wanted to get into the private sector. I wanted to work in a startup world, yada, yada, yada. So I started working for this company remote year. As a program mm-hmm. leader, so that's actually th- my connection with Chelsea, right? Uh, she did remote year herself. So I'll probably say since, and then the program I led, we went to a new country every month for a year. And then following that program, I w- became a regional manager of Asia. So now I'm floating around Asia. Then COVID happens. And like, I didn't intend to make Thailand my home, but I was just based in Thailand. So nonetheless, I would probably say like since, oh, wow, see, time goes by. Like, so now for like five years, there hasn't been a place that I was like, this is home. This is where I'm currently establishing myself, but I'm happy. You know, I don't, I don't need a base. You know, I, I, you know, I find kind of security within myself. Uh, So, you know, so it's actually, I like having that freedom and, and such like that. So, you know, nonetheless, happily homeless. Okay. So like you're not tied down to any, any place, just whatever you feel like going, you're just like, I'm going to go see what happens here, see if I like it. And then maybe this is going to be home for the next like couple months. Maybe it's not. And then we'll move on to something else. Kind of. Yeah, essentially. It's, it's kind of like, um, you're very like mission focused. Like I feel like, you know, you set your intention with everything. I remember, like I said, um, a lot of it was more normally it's work related in Thailand. I was like, this is going to be like my safe haven from COVID lockdown. I went back home for a bit and then I fell in love. It's like a whole other story, but I fell in love with where I was in Thailand because of like mm-hmm. my trainer. It was along the beach. Uh, like I said, I know it, it's crazy now. It's at this city called Pattaya, but at the time it was very serene because it was COVID. So that became like my yeah. wellness retreat thing. So then, you know, <laughs> I was, I was traveling the world um, last year. Going, I went to South Africa, Spain, Israel, like all these places vetting where maybe I could establish a home, but then it got exhausting. And then I wanted to uh, rejuvenate. So I was like, okay, Thailand. Yeah. And then, so I feel like that's what it is at the moment. It's kind of like, where do I want to go for what purpose at the time? Um, until I find that place where, you know, I lock down and call it home. So how did you, um, how, how did you discover your love for traveling? Yeah, it was um, it actually funny enough. Like I actually grew up, 
I don't know where it came from or why it was there, but like I just had this innate fear that I would never see the world. Yeah. Like, again, I don't know why where it came from, but I if you, I just remember at a certain age, you, you just if you ask me, I'm like I don't know. I just feel like I'll never get to see the world, and yeah. I just kind of accepted it. But nonetheless, I wanted to. Um, but I actually wouldn't even say like it started before I went abroad. Like um, when it came to grads, I mean not grads, undergrad. So I'm from Maryland, but I just did not want to do college in Maryland. Like it's cold. Like, yeah, I'm like, I got, I don't know why my parents moved to New York and then Maryland. I'm like, we're Caribbean people. We don't belong here. Like I hate it. (laughs) So like every school I applied to. What are you doing so far away from the beach? (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. Like it made no sense to me. Like, you know, it felt, it felt cruel. So that I, all the schools I applied to were in Florida and yeah. And I, and I felt like I performed better. Like, you know, I was kind of like, what are those kids? Like I didn't do poorly in high school but I didn't like Mm -hmm. I feel like apply myself as much as I could you know I just kind of went by with just like my natural smarts but then like I was like yeah no I need to go somewhere with the intention of I'm here for school like and and something about that yeah I did really well like it was it's something about like I'm in Tallahassee Florida I'm studying right and then um then because you know money other reasons my parents never sent us to Panama so I was Mm -hmm. like you know what I want to go so I chose to study abroad there uh for a semester through Florida State but was there something that that like triggered you to be like I kind of want to go or was just like something that you kind of always wanted to do even though you were kind of like accepting the fact that you weren't going to see the world you yeah, like I mean? I'll probably say like, you know, it just kind of like came to me because then like after I'd studied abroad and then I thought about like how and why I went to Florida and how that worked, how I went to Panama because like I just wanted to. Yeah. So let's say oh, in addition to going to Florida, just to be more purpose driven for my, my studies, like I said, I grew up in this white suburbia. So I wanted to go to an <laughs> HBCU. And then for Panama, I wanted to connect to my. So it started off as like, wow, traveling enables me for like. Uh, self-actualization you know like uh, I go there with a certain purpose and then I just kind of continued that theme Um, and then so yeah so I think it just kind of like came to me on what inspires me to do it and I so now I just see it as like a vehicle to get where you want to go so was Panama your first trip that you've ever done like outside the U.S. was it like did you go with your family did you Hmm. go um, by yourself. Well, like you, you went with school, right? Yeah. Yeah. So I, I was, I called Panama my first like solo trip. You know, I, I did go abroad when I was a kid. Like I had an uncle in Detroit. I remember we crossed over the border to Canada, barely remember that we did a cruise. Mm. So, you know, we went to like Jamaica and stuff. So, you know, I went abroad, but it was always like as a kid and it went a yeah. couple of th- quick trips. Um, but I, I, I say Panama was my first solo trip because it was the first time where I was like, no, I want to go for this. And then I straddled between being like a foreigner and a local, like, of course I've never been there, but before the semester started, I went to my uncle's house and I was like living with him for like a month. And then, you know, that was a whole experience in itself. And then I go to the university. And then, so a lot of these things were foreign to me because I've never been there. And yeah, I am American, but at the same time, so, so many things that I, when I experienced it felt familiar because they resonated with things I heard or told about uh, my whole life. Were you like, were people making fun of you because of how you spoke Spanish or the other way around because you knew Spanish Were other people be like, Hey, can you help me around kind of thing? Or that's actually a good one. So <laughs> I, it reminds me, <laughs> and you know, sadly, you know, you know, we're, I think we're the same generation. So millennials, we, we, we didn't grow up with smartphones. So I remember I, I didn't, I, I've lost contact with this guy, but I remember, um, so th- 
near the campus, there was this restaurant, La Boca. And then I just, yeah, you know, you're young. So I just like made friends with random people. And then so there's this guy, Edwin. And so he quickly became like my Panamanian friend that showed me around or whatever. And he had a fondness for me when he knew my story. And I remembered like when I left, you know, because it's something with practice, you know, obviously gets better. But he like admitted to me before I left. He was like, honestly, when you first got here, your Spanish, <laughs> you know, it was like terrible. He was like, it was sad. But now you're doing really good, <laughs> you know. <laughs> and it's funny because like, like I said, I feel like it got bad again. Haven't been practicing it. But I remember when I first got there. It's like, oh, yeah, are you, you know, you're American, but then eventually they're like, maybe you're from like Mexico. And I feel like by the time I left, sometimes I sounded Colombian or like, you know, they're, yeah. you know, so, so, so yeah. you know, like you're not from here, <laughs> but it's actually good. So, you know, and, and so, yeah, 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 yeah. You are, maybe you're not. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's exactly. kind of confusing. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so, yeah, so like after your first solo trip, like how, how did that like make you feel in general? So, like, did that, you think that that like obviously somewhat like ignited your love for traveling. And then you were like, okay, like I'm going to go to, like I went to Panama and now I'm coming back home. Like what was the next trip that you were something that you were looking forward to um, mm. or it just kind of like happened, came to you. It's like, Oh, I just want to go here. And then you just like put the trip and then went there. Nah. Yeah. So basically it was like, um, yes, yeah, so I knew I wanted to be abroad. I knew I wanted to see the world more and Panama felt like, a trip, but not a trip because it was like, again, yeah. I'm clearly foreign or whatever, but I have such a connection here that I, it didn't feel fully foreign. Right. I still had like an uncle yeah. that I'd be like, are you hungry? And then come bring food. Like, you know, and then I was like, I still need to be like stranded somewhere or, or <laughs> you know, something along those lines. But then also, yeah. um, I knew I wanted an international career part just because I'm gravitated towards it. But mm -hmm. also, too, I didn't, you know, I mean, I wasn't poor. But I didn't I didn't really have money just to travel on my own like that. So I was yeah. like. Oh, I might as well work for a company and they they pay for me to travel. So that's one reason I got an international development. I chose a company that had multiple offices, nonetheless. Um, so I chose I started working for this company in DC. They had an office in Australia. And then I was like, yeah, I, I set my intention to go there. And then they eventually transferred me there. And then um, so yeah, so then it became just about professional experience. And then I get to Australia, and part of the reason I chose it was one, just being abroad, but then at the time, like I said, I was into anti, not, I wasn't into trafficking. I was, I was, you know, like, <laughs> anti-human trafficking, anti-human trafficking. Uh, and it's so like naturally uh, a lot of the project, it was a, basically the, the APAC office of the, of the company. So I was like, oh, and then that led me to going to Indonesia uh, and all those things. So then it became really more about professional development. And yeah. I wanted to continue to go further and further out of my comfort zone slash culture uh to to really develop myself and in, in professional competency oh that's awesome um so how is um why we travel born ah uh, yeah so i'm having all these experiences that we're talking about and you know people are always like man why don't you post more or like you know you should be an influencer and all this <laughs> and no knock on anyone doing that, but it just it just it just didn't resonate with me. It felt a little cringy. Yeah. Like, I, I, that's not, I, know, I can't see. Honestly, I feel so cringy when I record these. You know, and I started this podcast and I'm trying to make content. And I still feel that way. So I'm like, huh. So there's that. It was like, but I was like, but I love travel. I want to share this love for travel, but I don't really know how to do it in a way, mm -hmm. you know. So holding that thought, 
but I know at the end of the day, I also want to be an entrepreneur though. Like, but you know, I'm not, I don't think I, I'm not like a natural business person, but when it comes to like the creativity and freedom that entrepreneurship entails, I'm like, all right, even though I don't feel like one, I'm going to turn myself into one. So merging those things, I'm like, all right, I got to figure out something um, and a platform to that resonates with me, resonates with travel will also empower me. Uh, so then I was like, you know, so I think one story that I often like to share, cause someone's like, I remember one of the many times people are like, Oh my God, why aren't you posting all these things? I was in New Zealand and I go, so I walk into a bar <laughs> and so it's a, it's a Maori Is that the bar. Of a joke? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I should, I should turn it into one. Um, <laughs> it's like, what happens when a Panamanian and a Venezuelan walk into a bar? So, <laughs> um, and so it's like this Maori woman, uh, she's a bartender and then there's a Maori bouncer. And so mm-hmm. real quickly, and this is like, you you will see, especially as I feel like another person of color, you'll see like what I mean. And like, you know, not knocking anyone. I'm just sharing our experience. So like yeah. I'm in the bar and then I, I like, especially as a solo traveler, I like intimate bars because you could like talk to the, you, you, you know? And then so yeah, I'm like, because when I was in Australia, I'd have Polynesians, whether they're Samoan or Maori, like I remember one time I walked into a barbershop, they're like, hey, my nigga, what's up, bro? And I'm like, whoa, like, you know, like, where, where <laughs> like, did that come oh, from? Oh, yeah. To them and in Australia, and that's one of the things I learned, you know, we learn, we learn race as a social construct and all those things. And, but then I go to Australia and I really saw it applied and I can't speak for an entire group of people. I'm just saying what I noticed. Some I did identify as black or were called black or same thing with like aboriginals. And they really opened my mind or like, you know, or I, sometimes I would hear Maori people referred that way, sometimes not. So anyway, I'm like, hey, you know what? I'm just going to ask this woman questions, controversial or not. And she's yeah. answering them, right? And then um, at one point, a group of people walked in and let's just say like she like rolled her eyes a certain way. You uh-huh. know? And I was like, why? I was like, you just rolled your eyes because, uh, you know, let's just say like, hey, colonizer kind of people kind of walked in and she was like, <laughs> laughed. And I was like, what? And then she was like, how do you know that? I was like, we have that same look back home. And she's like, yeah, because what <laughs> happens is, you know, it was on this popular street when they want to do something edgy. That's when they come in here, start asking all these like silly things. And like on cue, this girl's like, they're on Snoop Dogg, right? You know? And so like, then we just started cracking up together. And that to me was like, that moment of just connecting with someone I never saw before. I didn't know much about Maori. She never talked to, well, I don't know if never, but I'm sure she hardly talks to black America, but we from opposite ends of the world, we had like a mutual experience. I'm like, see, yeah. you can't capture that in a yeah. photo, you know? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so fast forward, like, you know, pulling all that together. I'm like, yo, I think the way to, and you know, and again, tourism doing cool stuff. I'm not taking away from it. I think, it still has its place, but I feel like there needs to be balance, you know? And I'm like, so my way of adding to that balance is storytelling. There we go. That's it. Like, you know? Uh, And then, so, yeah, so that's like why we travel. Like I, we, you know, studying migration and wow, people travel to like change their lives. Like there's like so much behind it or like, you know, Venezuelans, Mm -hmm. right. It's like, you know, I I don't know you personally, but then it's It's like, like, why we immigrate. (laughs) Yeah, it's like, no, in order, if this Venezuelan isn't randomly here, study what's going on over there and then why they're leaving. And then not just why they're leaving, why they're choosing to go. You know, when you start breaking it down, it gets very deep and complex. And, 
you know? And so I was like, that's what I want to talk about. I want to yeah. unpack these things, get to the stories and, um, and promote travel and just get people to like, think about travel differently, even in a subtle way. Yeah. I think one of the things that uh, I notice in your, in your intake form for your podcast, because we're going to do a, like a pod stop. Mm. Um, I'm, I'm going to be on Joshua's podcast as well. Yep. Is that, why do you like to travel? And it's because like one of the things that I love uh, about traveling is that it opens my mind to different perspectives. It's like shows me um, how, different people might have like the same experience as I do, but obviously it's different because of the way that they were brought up and like the experiences that they have lived. But at the end of the day, like we share like one common thing and that is we want to, we just want to see the world or we want <laughs> right. to live somewhere else that we want, that, that we haven't lived before. Um, so obviously like you've done a lot of traveling in like Australia and Asia from what you've told me. Um, but one of the things that you also mentioned is that you've traveled to South America yeah, um, yeah. obviously Panama. Um, but other than Panama, where else have you traveled and, um, what stories have you told from the places that you've traveled so far? Yeah. Yeah. Great. Um, so I'll probably say, so I'm at 39 countries now. I hit 40 this year. Wow. Uh, you know, so I, I plan on going in Brazil next month. Uh, I might sneak in Guatemala in there, but like, so, you know, can't list every country, but like in Latin America specifically, off the top of my head, I could, you know, uh, Colombia, Peru, Chile, Venezuela, Cuba. Did I say Colombia? Like Panama, obviously. Yeah. I feel like I'm yeah. missing, you know, Puerto Rico, if that's a country or not. <laughs> um, <laughs> and, you know, whether sure. some people, because there is that, you know, some people look at it that way. <laughs> uh, so, you know, um, yeah. So, like, I'll probably say, and then within like Latin America, what stands out to me the most is probably first Peru. And that mm -hmm. one I say is because like, even though it wasn't the first Latin American country. And it's funny. Cause I have, I actually have a friend. I'll eventually actually have her on my podcast as well. Cause we have very similar stories. So she's similar experiences as me. So she's, she's white, but Colombian, but like grew up here, you know? And so, mm -hmm. you know, me being black, but Panamanian, you know, you're like in a community, not community, you know, anyway. And I remember she had, uh, the same experience when she went to Guatemala, even though she'd been to Colombia. So I, I don't know what it is. It's something I want to look into. But like when I was in Peru, it actually helped me connect a lot more to my like Latino identity. I don't know what it was mm -hmm. about. Like, I think part of it was so I get there because let me see. This was during remote year. First, I got to Chile. If you've been to Chile, it's like very European, like, you know, still like. Yeah, I, I, that's, that's what I've heard. But I've never been to Chile or Argentina that it's like the, the feeling is like very European, but I've never been. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like, you know, so still like the place, not occupied, like it did. But then I get to Peru and man. So like my first day there or like my first like. So, you know, normally we get into the country. Uh, for the month and then you have like an intro meeting or whatever so you know how you have black history month in the united united states mm -hmm. they have like their like afro descendants of peruvian something like a month like that you know mm -hmm. and i remember um my co-worker just she's peruvian but mestiza she said something mm -hmm. about that and i was like oh wow you guys got a month like that and she's like yeah and then i don't know how we got to it but then she just rattled off this poem by this like black peruvian writer you know and I was like, oh, wow. And she was like, yeah, we had to memorize it as children. And then like, um, and then I did this event, you know, where this, yeah, it was like Afro-Peruvian drums, but not even just Afro-Peruvians. Like, um, man, I forget the name of it, but like they had like a word specifically for like 
Japanese Peruvian cuisine that I remember I eventually. Oh, Nikkei, I think it's called. Yeah. You know, and then I did like a a tour of their Chinatown. Right. And then in addition to that, like, so I'm, I've been going to different countries in Latin America at the time, Venezuelan crisis. And let's just say Peruvian, Peru seemed like the most open to them. Like they were more like, yeah, they're going to add to our culture. Like, you know, it was just like, at least the ones I talked to, I can't speak for an entire country, but like, you know, and so like, it was just this, uh, I, I felt very comfortable there, you know, and I mm-hmm. felt very like open and I just connected to it. Uh, and then I, so I felt like it also represented, you know, the way I look at Latinidad is because it was so diverse within itself, you know, and they embraced all facets of it. And I like love the food. I love the culture. So it felt both familiar and distant all at the same time. And then, um, and, you know, and also Venezuela. <laughs> that is so interesting. That is so yeah. interesting that you say that. Because, like, yeah, like, Latin, like, Latinos in general, mm. we are so diverse. Like, mm. I have been, like, people tell me sometimes they stop me on the street and they ask me if I am from India. And I'm like, no, no, I am, like, 100% <laughs> Latino. But then, yeah. like, obviously, like, you're black. And then, like, your friend was, like, white, but she's, like, from Colombia. So I feel that it's, like... A mix of like a little bit of everything. (laughs) And then um, obviously one thing that I have to ask about is your trip to Venezuela. Of course. (laughs) Because I feel like you went, um, when did you go to Venezuela? I think it was 2017, I think it was. So in the middle of like the the craziest (laughs) shit that was happening because I was already living here. So (laughs) So, um. How like how did you experience Venezuela? How was that for you? What did you do? Did you go like did you go on like a tourism kind of plan or mm. was it for work? I don't think there was like a lot of work happening at that time, like international work anyway. But right. how was your experience in Venezuela? I just have to ask this. Yeah, so that yeah, that was great. So like um so all right, so basically it was like because of my partner at the time, she, she was Venezuelan, you know. Um mm. we got connected. It's, it's, with- always, it's always the Venezuelan. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they, you know, I say, I, I definitely say, it's, you know, worth it. Beautiful people. <laughs> so we got connected when I was in Trinidad, but she was in Trinidad temporarily. I was in Trinidad temporarily. So then Venezuela. So at the time, it's yeah, so like I said, it's yeah, crazy. Um, but you know, yeah, when you're young, love makes you do crazy things. You know, and it only seemed crazy <laughs> because you know, uh, and actually, that's why I'm so glad I went. So I'm. I will never say it, it wasn't and it is still not in a dire situation. However, there's like propaganda politics and how things are portrayed versus the reality, right? So mm-hmm. at the time, when I say I'm going to Venezuela, people are like, are you crazy? Like, yo, like, you know, yeah. and, and yeah. I'm looking on the news, they're showing people eating out of trash cans, like, madness and i'm like i mean i'm not saying none of these things are happening but i'm saying i literally talk to this girl like every day you know and she seems like fine of course she talks about struggles or whatever but you know yeah. and but again I'm, I'm not trying to be in so of course when i go i still like she gives me all her contact information her residence you know i'm giving it to my family members in case anything happens with me she tells me extra things to be mindful of like because you know it requires like a different form of street smarts and everything so I'm taking she all these precautions. Street, like, talk everything. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> like hiding my money in different places. Cause you're like, you know, even when you get the, you know, so I, it's not like, yeah, just come here. Everything will be fine. But like, yeah. I guess what I want to point out was like, 
So, you know, I remember like the way the news is portraying it, like everyone's starving. So I remember like before I come, I'm like, you know, I'm at the grocery store. Is there anything you want me to bring? She's like, milk is really expensive right now. So like powdered milk. Let's say there was like one other thing item like that. And she's like, and Nutella. I would love some Nutella. <laughs> and I was like, that's it? And she's like, yeah. I'm like, oh, okay. And so to me, like that kind of like starts to like, okay, you know, obviously. And she's not like rich. I'll probably say like normal middle class and everything. And then yeah. so I get there and then she's, you know, tells me like, for example, the water gets cut off at a certain times. So they just like hold water. And like she's in Caracas. I forget which neighborhood, but it's like the heart of it. And like I said, the malls are still open. You know, you you still could go to Burger King. They may not have everything on the menu, but it's still there. And she's like, you know, I could only withdraw X amount from like Bank of America or not Bank of America, whatever bank she was using. And so I'm like, okay, so it's like still or like we went to the club still. And so I'm like, it's very, it's not like, again, so I'm, I'm <laughs> definitely people like struggling, all those things. Yeah. But just the way it was like portrayed, I definitely was like, oh, to me, like not just for Venezuela, but for like globally, it makes me very mindful of like how the news is showing things. Because similarly, on the opposite end, I remember one time I was in Singapore when Black Lives Matter like first started. Yeah. And this guy by a taxi driver, he's like, I forget what his nationality was, but I guess they had some struggles in Singapore at one point. And he's like, Yeah, we went through the same thing. You had to fight for your you had to fight for your government. It's like a civil war. I'm like, it's not a civil war, but like in his eyes, it was like black people for versus the guy. So okay, I, I don't know what how their yeah. video was showing it. Um, but anyway, so I would say that was one takeaway for me. But then also the other takeaway was like, just like Venezuelans in general, it was just like, um, yeah, beautiful people. I love the food. It was like different. We spent. Uh, uh, I was there for a week time in caracas i went to like margarita like oh and, nice and, and like i said it was like amidst all this chaos i remember we took this you know the plane to the island and then like this party boat and it was just like such a fun time it was like the most beautiful yeah and and anyway so um yeah i i actually you know so after Pan- panama of course Venezuela became like, you know, I, I still play that like Viva Venezuela, mi padre, I can't eat. I had to, <laughs> yeah, I absolutely fell in love with awesome. the culture. Yeah. That's awesome. Love the culture. Oh love my the god. Yeah. yeah. I I I haven't so I I moved here. I moved to Vancouver uh nine years ago. Mm. And I hadn't been back. I went back for the first time like two years ago. And yeah. it was like a it was a reverse like culture shock. Because like everything has changed so much. And I'm sure it has changed like since that like since you since you went there like a couple years ago. So right. that is pretty crazy. But that's awesome. Like that's awesome that you had like a great time. Um <laughs> yeah, it's definitely an interesting place to visit, that's for sure. Would you go back? Yeah, I would. Like, I mean, like it's funny when I talk about going to Venezuela, like uh, and again, I don't I haven't kept up the date, so I don't know how it is now per se. But people, are, oh, I gotta go. I'm like, man, I, I don't recommend going necessarily unless you got like <laughs> connections. I was like, I yeah, had like yeah, yeah, a situation, yeah, yeah. like you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, I was like, I was with the local, you know. But I was like, so yeah. I would 100 percent go back, you know, still being mindful of of, of everything. But yes. like, nah, I I love Venezuela for, for sure. Yeah. Disclaimer: Don't go if you don't know anyone. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. That's a listen, like listen to that for sure. <laughs> um, so let's move into um, what you're doing right now. Um, so you said that you have 
that you are a life coach and a certified global mobility specialist. Mm-hmm. Um, so what does that mean? How do you how do you help people? And yeah, like how do you how do you sustain your love for traveling while helping other people? <laughs> uh, yeah, of course. So I, I'll probably say like going back to what I said, like why well, I have this passion for immigration and labor and um, migration, and then but you know you still have to make a living, right? So. I, at one point, I got the certification called Global Mobility uh, Specialist. Essentially, for those that don't know, it's essentially just like corporate, like, you know, if when a company wants to move someone from country A to B, someone that specializes in that. And when moving someone from country A to B, you know, the the biggest thing is like visa and immigration. uh, But there's also like everything involving relocation, taxes, cultural training, um, mm-hmm. Etc. And so I'm like, yeah, I like helping people move, and that's a very like corporate way to distinguish myself. Um, but then like the life coach and uh, and everything, I, I basically I, I say like I just help people. I, I did the common thing was like just overcome borders, whether it's like literally like hey, I'm trying to get to this country or whatever. But then like um, I think when it comes to travel and like what I help people with is like they have this dream you know, and they want to be free and they want to incorporate travel into their lifestyle. They want to be able to go everywhere they want to go, but they don't necessarily know how. And so Mm -hmm. that's what I do. I help people incorporate travel into their lifestyle so they can live this life that, you know, uh, a lot of us are living. But at the same time, it's, it's in addition to all like the logistical and operational things of just like, yeah, this is the work permit or residency permit you need to get. Uh, This is the boring stuff. stuff? Yeah. It's like, you got to know all that (laughs) stuff. But as I'm sure you know, like there's, but there's also like the personal development stuff as well. It's like, hey, you're not going to be able to run from your problems. Like, you know, of course, I'm going to teach you how to pack your things, but also going to help you unpack your own stuff because that's required, <laughs> you know, or like, hey, how oh, do yeah. I cope with loneliness? It's like, yeah, mm-hmm. like managing those expectations. Cause like, yeah, exact, again, it has its place, but social media just shows travel as like this glamorous glitzy stuff. You don't have people posting like, man, I've been in this country and I'm, you know, my support system is back home. I know people here, but I don't have the same thing. And so I help people prepare for that, develop that. um, In addition, again, to all like the operational logistical things as well. Do you find that you struggle like while you're traveling or while you're looking for a place to like call home while you're Mm. happily homeless? um, Do you find that you have to that you struggle a lot with loneliness or or having like a support system like readily available to you um, all the time or or how does that work for you? Yeah, I would say yes and no. I'd probably say yes, because, yeah, I'm human. Right. And I'm an introvert. And so like, you know. So I want to say, like, word to the wise, if you don't know, even though you're an introvert, like, you still like people. We're still social creatures. So, like, when you're somewhere where you don't know anybody or there, especially, actually, almost especially that as an introvert, because you may find people abroad, but because you don't have, like, that intimate connection with them, you're still apt to feel alone, you know? Um, So, yeah, still experience those things. While at the same time, I think something I can be proud of myself, and I think a lot of seasoned travelers are that is like you learn to find security within yourself right because you you no longer can rely on like the routine you had back at home your friends back at home so it's just like you're forced to adapt and then so i think that's another reason why like i said i just try to change the perspective of travelers deeper because i think it really makes you a better person so that's one Mm -hmm. i find security within myself and then two because i was an introvert growing up and you know you know people you have these work connections 
you just make friends and develop your network organically. But it forced me to like be more extroverted, be more social, be intentional. Like, like for example, I go to Thailand. I was like, man, I need community here, you know? Mm-hmm. And then so creating that for myself. And so I basically, I think like after I became, and, and it's, it's still a process, you're never perfect. But at the more seasoned I became as a traveler, and I think this applies to everyone, the more you learn to like what you need to cope with and how to cope with it. So then you get better at those things. So is there a piece of advice that you give like all of your clients uh, when they're moving to another country that they're like, oh my God, this is, thank you. Like the, Joshua, this is the best advice that I've ever received in my life. Right. <clears throat> yeah. So I think at the, if I could say the one thing I would probably say like set your intention before you go on like what you want to get out of that experience it really applies. It's like life advice too, but then it's just yeah. tailoring it for travel. Like set your intention and then work backwards from there. So like, for example, if there, some people like there's different types of travelers. Like if you're, if you're a student that wants to study abroad or not even study abroad, like go to a university abroad is like, okay, you want to get this education. this edu- So then those are the groups you need to align yourself with. But like, let's say you're like, Oh, you know, I, I want to go to Japan and I want to learn. the. It's like, it's like, why I want to learn the language. It's like, Make sure you, okay, set that schedule before you go, you know, or like make sure like when you find, like intentionally find friends that don't speak English or all those things. Because what quickly happens and what I see a lot is people go abroad for a certain reason or, you know, or all these things. And then they just, it gets like lost at some point because it's so easy to get lost. There's so many, so many things happening, but like the, like, for example, like, um, some places I go, the community I built are from the gym because I know that's I'm here this time around for my wellness. Other times the community I built are just from like professional networks, like people that do something similar, you know? So it's really about like setting the intention. So then that way it's like when you leave, uh, think of it as like, you know, uh, you know, the, the, yeah, Chelsea talked about it too. I think uh, it is something I, I talk about a lot, like the hero's journey as like a format Mm -hmm. for yourself. So I say like, think of a travel experience, like your own personal side quest, right? Like, what am I going to, what am I going there for? And then what, what will I come back with, you know, uh, as like a trophy or so, uh, and just make sure you get it and do everything around that to set yourself up for success. Oh, that's amazing advice. I'm going to say, I feel like I'm going to start implementing that every time I travel. What is the, what is the, what is the goal and uh, what do I want to come back with? That's, that's amazing. Yeah. You know, (laughs) know how it works for you. (laughs) I will. Um, Well, let's just wrap this up a little bit. Um, Where can people find you if they want to work with you or if they want to listen to your podcast, which is amazing. I would definitely recommend you guys listening to Joshua's podcast. (laughs) Yeah, for sure. So the, the podcast, why we travel uh, it's on, uh, every platform so definitely spotify apple uh so you'll see me on there so uh, why we travel with joshua best um but then mm-hmm. you could also find me for example on instagram at migrant mejor so migrant m-e-j-o-r that's my personal account uh but then also our the, the podcast page is why we travel official on instagram so re- reach out amazing Awesome. So I'm going to leave all the links um, so that you can go stalk and follow Josh. <laughs> Josh or Joshua, sorry. Uh, yeah, online. Joshua, but I'm not I'm not fussy. It's all good. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> so you can follow Joshua online. And yeah, that's everything for me. Thank you so much for deciding to spend your time with me. I really had an amazing time having this conversation with you. Yeah, thanks for having me on. It was a pleasure. 
Thank you so much for listening to the From Tours to Local podcast. If you enjoyed this episode as much as I did creating it for you, share it on your favorite social media platform and please tag me at Salazar so I can reshare it. Remember to rate, review, and subscribe to the podcast so you don't miss any episodes. And don't forget to follow me on all social media platforms. I love to connect with all of you. I am on Instagram, TikTok, and if you want to support the podcast, check out our Patreon. All of the links can be found in the episode notes. Thank you again for the support and until the next episode.